so really if you approach life as an experiment as playtime you know I mean you think about kids and I and young kids you know before they start being indoctrinated in the schools the school system and you know in, in rigidity and schedules and stuff think about how free they are in their play and how that play is really an exploration of what they can and can't do Welcome to Vinyasa in Verse, the podcast where we connect mind, body, and spirit through poetry and practice. I'm Leslie Ann Hobayan. Together, we'll explore different ways of connecting with our innermost selves and how to tap into the flow of the universe. Because once that happens, anything is possible. Your best life starts now. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Vinyasa in Verse. How are you on this beautiful day? I hope wherever you are, you're able to pause, take a moment, take a breath, a mindful breath, inhaling through the nose, exhaling out the mouth, and finding beauty in that simple breath. And so today I'm going to start the episode a little bit differently. Um, I'm pulling off the shelf a book called The Radiance Sutras, 112 Gateways to the Yoga of Wonder and Delight. Uh, And this is by Lauren Roche. Um, And I want to say that I I haven't read this book entirely. I just got it and I've been poking through and, and seeing them, but I want to thank one of my teachers, Betsy Davis, who um, read this book during one of the classes, yoga classes I took with her and I was like, oh, I need this book. And so, I mean, what better than reading about the yoga of wonder and delight, right? So um, I will randomly choose a sutra, which is just really a thread. Sutra means thread in Sanskrit. And they're just small little teachings that you can carry with you, like a little thread that you can weave or sew into the fabric of your life. Okay, here we go. All right, and this is Insight versus 160, number 160. I'm not gonna read the Sanskrit because my pronunciation is not so great. Maybe I'll practice um, my Sanskrit and read it to you next time I read from this book. But this is number 160. Friends, relatives, neighbors, people who abide in your village, city, country, be not concerned with their attitudes towards these teachings. Everyone is discovering the intimate universe in their own way. This nectar is here within every breath every desire, every transition, from waking to sleeping and sleeping to waking. Once you have set out on the path of intimacy with the immortal essence of life, never turn your back on it, my shining one. Never turn away. Though every moment be be surprising, relevatory, unrecognizable, and full of wonder, continue to cherish each breath. 
live in gratitude for the ambrosia we imbibe in each turning out breath to in breath into out breath. Hmm. So interesting. That's one of the longer uh, sutras in this book as I'm flipping through it. And, um, and wow, I'm really um, resonating with this one, uh, especially the part about everyone is discovering the intimate universe in their own way. So it's really about don't worry about what others are doing, what others are thinking, what their opinions are of you. They are on their own path, their own journey. And what's important for you to focus on is your own evolution, your own growth. And it's not in a selfish kind of way. It's more in the theme of put your oxygen mask on first so that you can then assist others. You know, I mean, I love that <laughs> that safety protocol when you're flying, you know, on airlines. And I remember thinking to myself when I first heard it when I was, you know, younger and, you know, only flew on planes every once in a while. I was like, why wouldn't I want, isn't that selfish? Like, isn't that selfish to like put my mask on first? Like, wouldn't I want to help like the old lady next to me and put on her mask? It took me a few times to be like, oh, if I don't put my own mask on first, I could be passed out in the aisle getting stepped on by other people because I was too busy helping other people. So it really is about thinking, how can you best serve others by being your most divine self, by being your most authentic self? And so in this particular sutra, what I love is, is also that the nectar is here within every breath, every desire, every transition. The nectar of this life is in every moment, even when you're sleeping. Every moment is divine. Every moment is taking you to grow. Every moment is not wasted. You know, it's funny, I think about these times when I would embark on a project or something. Nothing's coming to mind right now that I can give as an example, but I think about those times where, you know, I'll, I'll do something, you know, some kind of project, and then it doesn't work out. And I'm like, oh, what a waste of time. You know, it didn't give me the results that I wanted or the expectation that I had. It didn't meet the expectation I had. And I'll think to myself, what a waste. Like, I can't believe I just wasted all that time doing what? You know, I'm sure a lot of us are thinking like, oh, yeah, we know that. And so <laughs> it's just so funny to think about it, at least for now, from, from where I'm standing now, because what has shifted for me is that every moment is information for me in terms of my growth and evolution journey. You know, maybe I worked on a project and it didn't come to fruition didn't come to the result that I wanted and then I'm throwing up my hands like what was the point of that you know the point of that is that you or I got information on what not to do you know on okay that approach didn't work let's try a different one you know and and it takes practice and practice is such a an interesting word because I think a lot of people miss the layers and nuances that the word practice can carry. 
you know, we talk about practicing an, a musical instrument, right? Let's say you take piano lessons for the first time and your teacher's like, you know, practice like five, 10 minutes a day. And you're like, okay, you know, and you do it. And I mean, depending on, I mean, if you're a kid, you're like, oh, okay. But if you're an adult learning piano, you want to do it. You're like, yeah, this is great. But you don't see the results right away, right? So you're, you're, it's like gradual. You're like, oh, I'll play a little bit, I'll play a little bit. And then the next week comes, you meet with your teacher and then it feels like a miracle. Oh my God, I played that song without a mistake, without stumbling over my fingers. Or I played that scale. How, wow, that was only five minutes a day. You know, I mean, that's, that's one way of practicing, right? Then there's, let's say meditation practice. Now, meditation practice is similar to, you know, practicing piano or, you know, going to practice for a sport. You do it over and over again. But meditation practice doesn't have a goal. You know, with piano practice, like the goal is I'm going to play this song the best that I can. I'm going to keep practicing until I can play it without mistakes, until I can play it so that I can infuse my emotional expression in it without mistakes, you know, but with meditation practice, there really, there's, there's no goal, you know, you're not like, okay, my goal is to achieve enlightenment in six months. If I meditate every 10, every day for 10 minutes, um, sorry to break it to you, but that's not how it works. You know, meditation is a practice in which you sit and you observe, you create awareness, you develop your awareness muscle. Um, and with awareness, then you're able to choose different, you can choose actions, different actions, different responses, different emotions. Um, but it's a practice, right? And so with practicing meditation, you get, I guess, I don't want to say better, but you get more attuned to your inner voice, to your inner wisdom, right? Because you are, you are learning more information. Now I will say, you know, for me personally, and this is probably true of a lot of people who practice meditation, it's not always, oh my God, yes, I have this, I had this big revelation or this big epiphany or whatever it is. You know, some days it's like, I just sat there and okay, nothing happened. Or I just sat there and I just had the most depressing experience. Like I couldn't stop crying and I don't know why. You know, it's such a range of experiences. But if if we focus on the practice of meditation, of showing up, and then also understanding that as humans, we are constantly changing, constantly growing and evolving, that the practice is just about showing up. It's about being present as best you can. But I'll admit, sometimes I, I show up for my meditation practice and I'm like doing my to-do list in my head. And then I'll catch myself, you know, awareness. And I'll say, oh, 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 hello, ego. You got your to-do list running. Let's pause, take a deep breath. And exhale. And then I'm back in the body. I'm back in the present moment, you know. And so that's what practice can do you know, give us information. So going back to what I was saying earlier about these expectations about going, you know, embarking on a project of some kind, and then it doesn't yield the results that you expected or wanted. It's not a waste of time. It's information for you 
to know your project a little bit better, to know what steps didn't work so that you can get more with that information, that new information, then you can see other possibilities from that. You know, so let's say, let me make up an example. Let's say I wanna make um, a cake and I follow this recipe, but by accident I put, oops, sorry, too much um, baking powder. You know, it's gonna make it a little fluffy. It's gonna rise a little bit. Um, and then I'm like, oh, what happened there? Or I put too little. And I'm like, oh, what happened there? Or I forgot to put the sugar. That's happened sometimes where I'll be baking like cookies or something and I'll, my, my mind will blank, go off somewhere else. And then I'll, and I'll just keep going. And then I'll make that first batch. I'll bite into the cookie. I'm like, what's going on with this cookie? Something happened here. What, let me go through my mental like replay. Let's, let's do the replay in my mind. Did I do that? Did I do that? Check, check. Oh, I forgot the sugar, you know? Um, that's sort of an accidental <laughs> failure. <laughs> but again, it's not failure, it's information. It's like, oh, okay, this is what happens to the cookie when I don't put sugar in. So if I want a better cookie, I will put sugar in. Or what would happen if I put applesauce in instead? Or what if I put brown sugar in instead? So really, if you approach life as an experiment, as playtime, you know, I mean, you think about kids and, I, and young kids, you know, before they start being indoctrinated in the schools, the school system and, you know, in, in rigidity and schedules and stuff, think about how free they are in their play and how that play is really an exploration of what they can and can't do. You know, you, you watch a baby learning how to walk, you know, they, they pull themselves up to stand and they're like, whoa, 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 you know, but they try different ways to pull themselves up. You know, sometimes they try to pull themselves up on a, you know, by holding a table or sometimes they put their hands down on the ground and push their bottom up and then try to then stand up from there. You know, I mean, kids are always experimenting, always playing and getting information from that. And we've lost that as adults. And so this sutra is reminding us that information for our growth, our evolution into our highest selves is in every moment of this life. Every moment, even the boring moments, even the, oh my God, I can't see, believe that I'm sitting in you know, my house for a year in pandemic times. I mean, even that is information, you know? How do you handle being in your home for a year? You know, do you, do you start making up stories in your head about how awesome it used to be? Or do you start thinking about, all right, well, this is the new norm. What, how do I adjust? What do I do to make things less tedious, less difficult, less whatever? Um, it's so funny. I was just thinking about like three things that popped into my head just now. And I'm like, which thing do I want to share with you? One thing, just as a side note, I want to share with you is that your subconscious, which runs a large part of the show behind the scenes, does your subconscious does not register negative, 
negatives, like the word not or don't or whatever it is. So I, I tested this out because I was like, hmm, I learned this recently. And I was like, hmm, I want to test this out. I'm very curious about it. And, you know, being on time for anything is important to me. You know, I, I like to respect time. And sometimes I tell my kids, you know, hurry up. I don't want to be late. But what happens? We end up being late, <laughs> you know, or, you know, don't forget this. What happens? I forget it. It's because the subconscious does not register negatives. So I'm being mindful and I invite you to try this as well. I invite you to make statements that are in the positive. I will be on time. I will remember this or I remember this, not even I will. And see what might shift because I'm starting to see a shift myself and that's, that's pretty cool. So getting back to the nectar. The nectar is here within every breath, every desire, every transition, you know, and our paths are our own. And once we begin this journey, whatever it is, a spiritual path, a healing journey, once we start it, we start to know things. We start to gather knowledge and information that we can't unknow. And so we have to keep going forward. I mean, the tendency is when things get hard or tough or sticky, we want to go back to the old ways. We want to go back to how it used to be. And people, people have tried that. But when you know something, when you know that it's better or different than what it used to be, chances are you don't want to go back or it's just really hard to go back. It's just hard to do anything once you already know something. Um, so all this to say, you can either choose to move through the resistance and grow because usually resistance is a point right before a growth spurt, or you can stay in place. But what happens when you stay in place is that eventually life is going to shove you forward a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> because the only thing constant is change, right? So you can stay in place, but everything else around you is going to be changing and shifting. And that in and of itself is going to get you moving. And it might be in a direction that you don't want. So you might as well move forward in ways that are within your power, within your control. Um, I just want to read this, um, these last two lines again. Well, actually the last five lines, though every moment might be surprising, revelatory, unrecognizable, and full of wonder, continue to cherish each breath. And this is my emphasis, each breath, because you don't know when the last one is, right? And so live in gratitude for the ambrosia we imbibe in each turning out-breath and in-breath into out-breath. So be grateful for every breath you take. Be grateful for every moment that you have living on this planet, in this human body. And when you show gratitude, the hard things, the, the challenges, the pain, the difficulties, 
they all can be seen as moments that are helping you grow rather than in afflictions, rather than things like made to make you suffer and be in pain. And again, it's all easier said than done. You know, it's easier for, for someone to say, yeah, you got run over by a car and that was on purpose so that you could grow. And I'm sure the person who got run over by a car is like, I can't feel my leg and you're telling me that I'm supposed to grow from this? What are you talking about? Um, but to reframe the moments in our lives in ways that feel helpful they might not, but they might not all necessarily be positive ones, you know, and, and happy and like, oh my God, I'm so blessed, woo, you know. But to see them in ways of, okay, what can I learn from this? What can I do different? How can I respond in a way that's different from my usual, for example? You know, I think about healing trauma. It's something that I talk a lot about. And, you know, trauma for me comes in big T and little t, but still the responses that our body has are, are similar, just varying degrees. And I'm thinking about how in healing trauma, a lot of the questions that come up at the beginning stages of, of the healing process is, you know, why did this happen to me? Why me? The question why comes up. And what I've learned over time is that why isn't necessarily a useful question. Because let's say you get the answer. Does it change what happened to you? Does it change anything? You can't change the past, right? So asking why might seem like something that would help you heal, right? I know the logic and and I'm, you know, I've experienced this myself. The logic is if I knew why this happened to me, then I could make sense of it and then I could make peace with what happened to me and then and then grow from it and then learn from it. But often the why even if we found the answer often isn't satisfactory to our curiosity. The why sometimes could be like, well, just because he was a jerk. I mean, that's really not <laughs> satisfying. You know, like, for example, if um, we're going to talk about my own trauma, you know, why did I go to that person's uh, room? Or, you know, why did I drink too much? Or why did I do this? You know, and then the series of questions of why become opportunities for self-blame become opportunities for us to start thinking, well, if I did this, I should have done that. If this, if that. Again, living in the past. Living in the past doesn't help us heal. It doesn't help us learn either. So instead of asking why, ask, how can I grow from this? Yes, this thing happened to me. These things, plural, happened to me. You know, sometimes these things happen over and over again. You know, we'll talk about racism. The trauma of racism um, happens to me over and over again. I can't change 
people's minds. That's not what I'm put on the planet to do. Uh, I can, what I'm in charge of, I can choose how I respond. And so as I do the healing work, what I am getting better at with practice is awareness of, oh, this, this racist thing is happening right now. How am I going to respond? My awareness flags down, you know, what's happening in a neutral way. And then I can step back a moment and make a decision on how to respond to it. Do I engage in that? Do I step away from it? Do I emotionally respond to it? Do I get upset? Do I stay neutral? Do I um, laugh about it? You know, depending on what it is. But that is more useful than asking why. You know, how do I respond? Or what are my options? Or what information am I learning from this? So it's about really understanding that the questions we ask help shape the quality of our lives, the quality of the answers that we receive. You know, there's, um, I have to look it up. My, my brain is like, right now, but there is a, there is a quote from, um, a teacher of one of my teachers that says, um, the quality of your life well, actually, it's two of my teachers quote this person, actually. The quality of the questions you ask determines the quality of the answers you receive and so the quality of your life. So asking questions like why, why did this happen to me? Why was I traumatized? Why did I get into that car accident? If I left my house five minutes later or 10 minutes earlier, it wouldn't have happened. You know, but that keeps you stuck. That keeps your life stuck in that moment. How are you supposed to heal and move forward if you remain stuck in that moment with the what ifs and the should ofs? So instead ask, all right, this happened. Accept that. Not always easy, but accept that. You know, okay, this happened. This happened in the past. Here's where I am right now. What did I learn from that? What how did that change me? How did it shape me? And what choices do I have in now responding to it now that some time has passed? I mean, time could be just like it just happened five minutes ago. Time could be it happened 20 years ago. It could have happened a year ago, two years ago, whatever it is. But some distance has transpired between the event, the moment, and where you are in this moment. So ask yourself, how do I grow from this? What do I learn? What are, you know, what are the lessons? And I know there are some who might be like, you know, I'm hurting right now. And the idea of a lesson coming from this sounds like a lot of BS. And that's, you know, that's a valid response. Feel how you need to feel, go through the experience that you need to go through. And once you've had even more distance, then you can ask that. But this is all about the healing journey. This is part of the healing journey. Healing is not linear. Healing isn't here are the five steps or the seven steps of 
the healing process. It's not, you know, they talk about, I think it's like the seven stages of grief or something like that. But of course, we don't experience grief once one through seven. No, we, we might experience stage five and then suddenly drop to stage one. I think the numbers are there just to list them, not it's because in, in a specific order. And so the same applies to the healing journey, you know? Maybe maybe you're still hurt and still wounded and feeling really heavy from trauma and you're not ready to heal. And that's okay. That's okay. The moment you decide you want to heal usually is around the time that you can't stand the pain anymore. You know, there, there are two places to be. It is the pain of the familiar and the pain of the unknown. <laughs> I know, here I'm talking about pain and I'm all like, yeah, everyone find the beauty and everything. Um, but it really is about, uh, maybe pain's not the word, discomfort, we'll say. Okay, are we gonna sit in the, in the pain of the past you know, in our traumas and say, you know, I want to heal, but um, I don't really want to move from where I'm at because it feels familiar and in the familiar, it feels comfortable. You know, there's, um, there's a story that one of my teachers tells. It's, it's not a story. It's more, I guess, like a parable where he talks about this, um, this man who um, is sitting out on a sidewalk with his dog and the dog is sitting on a nail and the dog is like clearly in pain and somebody walks by and says what's wrong with your dog why why does your dog have that face what's going on like explain like what's happening and the man says oh he's just sitting on a nail and the person the, the the person passing by is like wait what like you're just gonna let him sit on the nail like i mean come on like give him some relief and the man says, well, you know, that's all he knows. And so he wants to stay there. And so that's what a lot of us do. We know the pain of sitting on a nail because we've sat with it for so long. And the idea of not having that any longer is scary to some. Because the question then becomes, who am I without the pain of the nail to sit on? What does it feel like to not be sitting on that nail? It might feel more painful. It might feel good. I don't know, but I don't want to take that chance right now because sitting on the nail feels familiar. And so I'm going to stay here. And so when it comes to our healing journeys, we need to begin with the question of where you are right now. Are you that dog sitting on the nail totally content with that pain content with that familiarity or are you ready to see what it's like to not sit on the nail because you're fed up already nothing's changing still hurts you're sitting there world's going by are you in enough pain of staying in place that you are then propelled to take the chance, take the leap, the risk into the unknown, which might be also painful. 
So maybe it's the choice between familiar pain or new pain, but you don't know because new pain may not be new pain. New pain might be bliss, might be relief, might be glorious light. Are you willing to take that chance? Are you willing to explore? And so I just wanted to begin to talk about this healing journey. You know, in in context with the Radiance Sutra that I read at the beginning of the episode, every moment is nectar, even the ones that are painful. And so it's up to you. It's your choice on how you want to imbibe that nectar, how you want to experience each moment. Do you want to go through life half asleep and in pain? Or do you want to explore what it might be like without pain? What it might be like to heal? What it might be like to truly feel gratitude for this life? So many questions, right? So many questions to think about. Well, I'm going to let you all contemplate that for this week. And to close, I will return to Hafez because he is my great guide. And so here we go. We'll go through the roulette of oracle poems at the end of the episode. And... We all talk about this poem called Who Will Feed My Cat? Oh, all right, Hafez, here we go. Who will feed my cat? I will need someone to feed my cat when I leave this world, though my cat is not ordinary. She has only three paws, fire, air, water. Mm, I'll read that again. Who will feed my cat? I will need someone to feed my cat when I leave this world, though my cat is not ordinary. She only has three paws, fire, air, water. Mm. Love it. All right, my friends. We will close this episode as we always do. And I wish you a beautiful week ahead. The divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. Healing is so necessary for women writers of color. Whether we know it or not, our traumas hold us back from expressing and becoming our truest selves. How can we be more present to this? How can we create new ways of understanding our hurts so that we can heal them and step into our life's purpose with radiance? Follow me on Instagram for messages of healing and support as you walk this journey that brings you home to yourself. Find me at this handle, at Surya Gyan Yogi, S-U-R-Y-A-G-I-A-N-Y-O-G-I, or visit my website to learn more at suryagyan.com. Your best healed life starts now.